we are live. Um, normally we live stream on Sunday. Yesterday we had a bit of a technical hiccup. I don't know. I went upstairs, looked at the gear this morning and everything worked fine as it tends to do, but occasionally that happens. We've got a great record of everything working well. So once in a while you expect that it's not a big deal, but we do have people who tune in online regularly and uh, you folks are important to us and we want to take care of you. So I'm going to do a bit of a live stream of what we talked about yesterday. And this will be a slightly abridged version of that, but we also have uh, people who very consistently download the audio as a podcast each week that I generally put out on Monday. And so I'll be pulling the audio from this and sending that out as a podcast as well. If you'd rather listen to that, that's great. But we are in the middle, uh, or we've been going through for several weeks now, um, definitions, because meanings matter, definitions are important, um, the words we use and the way we understand them do matter. And this week, we are talking about wisdom, what it is, and defining it, talking about it, defining it. And like I say, this is a bit of an abridged version of what we talked about yesterday, but we are looking at Proverbs chapter four, verses one through nine. And then we're going to jump over into the New Testament as well and look at James chapter one, verses two through eight. Um, and I'm just going to read those to you. If you are someone who likes to follow along, you know, hop on your phone, open your Bible, whatever you'd like to do, please do that. Uh, I'm going to start with Proverbs chapter one, verses four through nine. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it says here, old children, the instruction of a father intend to no understanding for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching for I was my father's son, tender and the only beloved in the sight of my mother. He also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget it nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is principle, therefore get wisdom, and with all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory. She will deliver you. And then jumping over to the New Testament, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. This is what that says, it says, my brothers, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith produces patience, but let patience perfect its work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally, liberally and without criticism, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without wavering. For he who wavers is like a wave on the sea, driven and tossed with the wind. Let not that man think that he will receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So in our series of definitions, we are today defining the word wisdom uh, from a biblical perspective using an Old Testament passage from Proverbs and a New Testament passage from the book of James. <clears throat> and we divine, defined sin a few weeks ago, 
And uh, that definition wasn't new with me. I got it from somewhere else, but it, I think it's a good definition. But we defined sin a few weeks ago as a good God-given desire that is exercised outside of God's intended context. And we gleaned that definition from the story of David and Bathsheba. Some of you may be familiar with that. Some of you may not. But of course, from that, you know, David um, became or Bathsheba became pregnant with David's child and her husband was killed. And there was this whole string of terrible events that came from that. But the child that was the result of uh, that meeting between David and Bathsheba, unfortunately, died. And after that, David actually married Bathsheba and he they later had another son together. And that son was Solomon. Uh, King Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs that we read from a while ago. An interesting thing about Solomon is he became the king of Israel after David, but he was actually the David's 10th son. So technically he was 10th in line to become king, which is pretty unusual that um, something like that would happen. Uh, David's eldest son was Amnon, and but he couldn't be king because Absalom his brother killed him after he had forced himself on his sister Tamar and Absalom also tried to kill David. And then Joab, who thought he was acting in David's best interest, uh, killed Absalom, even though David had commanded him not to. And as David came to the end of his life, you know, Israel had experienced a lot of peace and prosperity eventually under David's reign as king. And, when David came close to the end of his reign, his eldest living son at that time was Adonijah, and he would have been the heir apparent. But unfortunately, uh, he attempted to circumvent David and set himself up as king. But Bathsheba, David's wife, Solomon's mother, and the prophet Nathan politically outmaneuvered Adonijah. And uh, Nathan, you might remember him. He was the prophet who told David the story of the rich man who stole the poor man's lamb. And he told David, you're that man. But in the midst of that, everything that was going on in that, you know, that political where Adonijah is trying to take over and make himself king, um, Joab had actually aligned himself with Adonijah. And that's one of the reasons that one of the last things David did before he died was tell his son Solomon to kill Joab. And Joab thought he knew what was best for King David and what was best for Israel. But in the end, it didn't work out so great for him. Um, there's you know, a whole talk we could do on that in itself. But since it was Bathsheba and Nathan who had politically outmaneuvered Adonijah, of course, Bathsheba was going to promote her son Solomon to David as uh, the one who should become king. And there was a point where David actually made a promise to Bathsheba that Solomon would become king. So he followed through that on that promise. And that's what happened. Solomon became the king of Israel. And that's a very, you know, compact, uh, a way of explaining that whole series of events. And I, I've, I've always thought that David's life would make a great series of movies. But now Solomon is newly a king appointed king in Israel. And God asked Solomon, what would you like me to give you? Wouldn't that be great? 
to uh, have that happen. But Solomon answers, there's this great nation of people here, and I'm expected to rule these people. And I have no idea what I'm doing. And he was probably only 19 or 20 years old when this happens. And he asked God to give him discernment in ruling God's people. And God was happy, pleased with that request and gave Solomon what he asked for, gave him the wisdom to rule his people. And he also promised Solomon in that wealth and long life. And as a result of that, Solomon became uh, renowned for his wisdom and his wealth. And rulers would travel from all over the world to visit Solomon's court, to see his wealth and to learn from his wisdom as well. And Solomon did very well in his early life. And a lot of us look back at where we were a few years ago or younger days in our life and think, wow, I really didn't know what I was doing back then. I know I think that a lot. And it's, it's funny that in a few years, we'll probably be looking back at where we are now and thinking something similar. Wow, I didn't really know what I was doing then. But Solomon's wrote in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, he said that, Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And Solomon is really speaking from personal experience when he says that, because that's where he started from. And in that God granted Solomon wisdom in ruling his people. But in other areas of his life, Solomon kind of had to earn it. He spent a lot of his time and fortune pursuing everything under the sun. But Solomon writes in the book of Proverbs chapter four in verses five and six, this is what he says. He says, get wisdom, get understanding. Don't, don't forget it. Don't turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is principle. Therefore get wisdom. And with all you're getting, get understanding. An interesting conversation the other day with my wife about how wisdom is referred to in the feminine or as a woman, just an interesting thought might be a, uh, a conversation you could have with someone, you know, your spouse or around the dinner table. Uh, but anyway, Solomon says that wisdom is principle. That means, you know, wisdom is first foremost, it's principle, therefore get wisdom. And when you read what Solomon has written he often sounds like he's speaking to someone just getting started in life. Like he's writing to his, his kids or his sons or something like that. And he says, before you seek other things, before you pursue other things, seek wisdom first, get that first. And that's what Solomon did. He was very young when he became King and he asked God for wisdom in being King and wisdom is very important and it should be pursued before other things. Because if you don't have wisdom, life is going to be very hard. And it's going to be hard anyway, but it's going to be more difficult without wisdom. And Solomon also writes, he says, you know, make it principle, get it first. But he also says that wisdom is in fact better or more valuable than anything else we might desire. That's a pretty big claim to make because what he's really saying there is that wisdom is priceless, which is true. You can't buy wisdom. You just can't. And Solomon, in all of his wisdom, says, get wisdom, because that's first, foremost, that's principle. So we learn that wisdom is something that we should pursue. It's something worth pursuing. And James, in the New Testament, 
Solomon in the Old Testament would definitely agree on that. And then if we come from where Solomon's at, we move forward in time uh, about a thousand years to the book of James. Um, James is writing to Jewish Christians, very early Christians who had been scattered throughout the world, the known world at the time anyway, due to persecution. They'd been pushed out of their homes, out of their home city, even out of their home land because of persecution. And James, being the brother of Jesus, is also a descendant of Solomon, you know, several, many, many generations back. But in uh, James echoes many of the things that Solomon writes when he writes. And in chapter one of, or uh, verse two of chapter one, James writes, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or trials, difficult times, suffering, things like that. And one of the bits of wisdom we learn from James is the difference between joy and happiness. And it's a little bit off topic, but something worth saying, because there's definitely some wisdom to be gained here. And James, what James shows us is that joy is not determined by circumstances. And I think that's a really solid lesson that a lot of us could use. Understanding that joy is not something that's determined by our circumstances. And what James says sounds, sounds a little bit crazy in our culture, in the day in which we live. He says, count it all joy when you fall into various kinds of trials. So he says, count it joy when things get difficult. When you suffer, there should be joy in that. And that just sounds so alien to the way we think today. You know, everyone wants to be happy, which is understandable. It feels good to be happy. And we hear things like that all the time. And we put happiness up on a pedestal and often make an idol out of it. People say, and, and we've all heard this, people say, just as long as you're happy, that's what really matters. The problem is, is happiness is a product of circumstances. So happiness changes when circumstances change. Um, it comes and goes as circumstances come and go. Whereas joy is an expression of faith. And it's not subject to circumstances. And there's a big difference between the two. But we're, we're talking about wisdom. And Solomon says, get wisdom. It's very valuable. And then James tells us how to do that. He says, if you need wisdom, ask for it. And who doesn't need wisdom? And something to understand is that the people James is writing to when he says, you know, if you need wisdom, ask for it you know, uh, find joy in your suffering. They're facing very difficult times. They've been persecuted. You know, they've probably had family members who have been killed. They're, they're going through all kinds of horrible things. And they're part of a group of early Christians who had been scattered due to that persecution. And James says, find joy in your suffering and pray for wisdom. And, you know, praying for wisdom sounds pretty simple. And I suppose it is sort of, but James says also that if you ask for wisdom, God's generous and he's not critical. So he, he gives liz, wisdom liberally, but it's important to understand. And, and here's the thing in that it's easy to ask for wisdom, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's easy to get wisdom. Doesn't come cheap. It's he's, Solomon says it's very valuable and it doesn't come cheap. You might not be able to buy it with money, 
but that doesn't mean it's easy to get. It doesn't mean it's cheap. God gives it liberally and without criticism, but that doesn't mean it's easy to get. And in the case of Solomon, he, you know, um, he prayed for wisdom to govern God's people and God gave it to him liberally and without criticism. And that wisdom was specific to ruling God's people. And who am I to say, but from what I see, from what I read, from what I hear, from personal experience, things usually don't work out that way. You don't just pray and then you get it. Obviously, God can do whatever he wants, but you can ask God for wisdom. You can pray for wisdom, and that's not a difficult thing to do, but that doesn't mean you're going to wake up the next day being wise. It just doesn't work like that. My wife and I watched a show once. Uh, where some people moved into an old family home. I think it was lock and key or something like that was the name of it. And uh, the show centered around this family living in this old family house. And they found different keys around the house. And all of these keys had very interesting powers. And they would open different doors and do different things to very, um, and, and very unusual things would happen because of these keys. And one of these keys was the mind key. And they would put this key in the back of their head and a door would appear. And that was the door to their mind. And whatever went through that door in it or out of it went in or out of a person's mind. If they were to take a book through the door, that book would then be in the person's mind and they would know that book. And I've sometimes thought, you know, wouldn't be that be convenient if that's how things worked. If I, you know, if I ask God for wisdom and knowledge, and then he just is able to unscrew the top of my head and pour it in there. But that's just not how things work, isn't? That's just not the way things are. Obtaining knowledge requires work. And in my life, I've spent a total of 23 years um, in school. And that's, that's a tremendous amount of effort to gain knowledge. That's been a lot of work, some of it more than others. But knowledge in and of itself doesn't equate to wisdom. They're two different things. And when you leave school, you go to school, um, you've gained some knowledge, but not necessarily wisdom. And you don't even have to go to school to gain wisdom. School is about knowledge, not wisdom. And, and knowledge is good, and school is good. And we want to gain those things, of course, but they're not the same thing as wisdom. And in the first few verses of the book of James, he shows us the process of wisdom and gaining wisdom happens in difficulty. He says, you know, trials teaches patience and patience also does a work in us. And he says, let patience complete its work. And to get through that process, ask God for wisdom. If you need it, ask him for it. And again, who doesn't need it? He gives it liberally and he gives it without criticism. Gaining knowledge requires work. Gaining wisdom requires perseverance. You ask for wisdom and then you persevere to obtain it. Faith, prayer, patience, perseverance, wisdom are all very closely connected with each other. And when James says, count it all joy when you're faced with suffering and difficulty, he's showing us that suffering and difficult times have value. There's a lot of value in difficulty. There's a lot of value in suffering. There's something good to be gained from those things. 
Now, the trial may not be great. The difficulty may not be fun. It doesn't make us happy, but God can use it to produce something good in us if we persevere in that difficult time, that trial, that suffering, whatever it might be. Persevere through the trial and persevere in trusting God. And if we do, he'll do something good with it. And people often ask the question, you've heard it so many times, you know, why does God allow this? Why is this happening? You know, why is this happening in my life? Why is this happening to me? Why is God letting this happen to me? All of those different things. But it may be the case that he's using whatever it is that's happening in your life to work out something good in you. And if we doubt that, and if we struggle with that knowledge, it erodes not only our faith, but also the opportunity to gain wisdom and persistent doubt erodes both of those things. Now, if you do decide to pray, if you and ask God for wisdom, if you're going to ask God for wisdom, I'll warn you up front to be careful what you ask for, because he's not just going to pour it into your head. Um, you're not going to pray for wisdom and then wake up the next day wise. That's just not how it works. That's not realistic. God gives it liberally and without criticism, but the process of getting it is usually difficult. It's not easy. We just, just don't change or gain wisdom unless we go through difficulty, unless we suffer, unless we're put in a difficult place. Perseverance through that difficult place is an essential part of gaining wisdom. Perseverance, like wisdom and knowledge, doesn't just happen on its own. It requires a decision and effort on our part to persevere. And we have to decide to persevere through difficult times and then do it. It's like a muscle that uh, we have to exercise perseverance. And when we are put in a difficult place, we are going to suffer. And let's be frank about it. A lot of life is suffering and difficulty. We talk a lot about happiness and, you know, we want happiness and we want things to be great and nice. But the reality is that a lot of life is suffering. That's the truth. And that's real. But James says that there's value in that. There's value in that suffering. If we don't make the effort to persevere in that, we won't gain the wisdom that God can work through that suffering. To ask God for wisdom in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your trial, your difficult time, is exactly what God intends for you to do. James doesn't say, ask God to end your difficulty. He says, ask for wisdom. Now, I would venture a guess that that's how a lot of prayers go, though, is asking God to change our circumstance, to end our difficulty, um, to change things so we'll have circumstances that make us happy. And when we pray like that, what we're doing is we're pursuing happiness. We're not pursuing God and we're not pursuing wisdom for sure. Uh, Mike Rowe, I think it was, said that happiness is a great byproduct, but it's a terrible goal. And God uses difficult times to produce wisdom. So take advantage of that. Chances are that 
you're facing some kind of difficulty right now, because a lot of life is difficult. That's true. That's reality. And most people are suffering in some way. Most people are facing something difficult and difficulty is a large part of what happens in life. And I don't mean that in a negative way. A trial is actually very valuable and we don't want to waste it. If you do, all you get is the suffering without gaining the wisdom. Ask God for wisdom in your suffering and then persevere in that. Because God gives wisdom liberally, gives it without criticism, but that doesn't mean it's easy to get. And this, this really, it applies to any of life's difficult circumstances, a job, you know, when difficult times at work, a marriage, a lot of people struggle in their marriage at school, that can be difficult. Changing a habit requires uh, perseverance, asking God for wisdom. All of those require perseverance to gain wisdom. That's just reality. But without perseverance, no one gains any wisdom. If you don't stick with it, persevere through it. You're not going to get any wisdom. And James says later in chapter one, be not only a hearer, but also a doer of the word of God's word. And it's through being a hearer of God's word that we gain knowledge and being a doer that we gain maturity, but it's in perseverance that we gain wisdom, be a hearer, be a doer, persevere and gain wisdom. And you don't have to have a, not a, a lot of knowledge to be wise. Wisdom and knowledge aren't the same thing. So you don't have to have a lot of knowledge to be wise, but you have to persevere and learn to take the knowledge that you do have and apply it well, because that's really the definition of wisdom. Wisdom is the right application of knowledge. Okay. Let that sink in and think about that. Wisdom is the right application of knowledge. It's important. It's valuable. It's something worth pursuing, but it requires perseverance because it's in the difficulty, in the suffering that you learn to rightly apply the knowledge. And there are a lot of struggles in the world today. Uh, you can look around and you can see people in the midst of struggles, in the midst of suffering, and you can see that there are some wise people. And the reason they're wise is because they've persevered through suffering in the past. But you can look around and see a lot of people who are unwise as well. And someone described what James calls a double-minded man is someone who is always trying to face both ways or someone who is facing both ways. And James says, for he who wavers is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed with the wind. Let not that man think that he will receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And that's someone who is facing difficulty and they say they follow God, but they're constantly trying to face both ways, look in both directions. And instead of persevering, they pursue comfort and happiness, and they don't gain wisdom. They're always facing both ways, always struggling, always worried about what's happening next or what's going to happen next, what's going on in the world, this, that, the other, trying to push away, trying to avoid difficulties lacking commitment and lacking perseverance because what they desire is not wisdom. They desire happiness and the happiness is a terrible goal. Good, nice byproduct of a, you know, a nice circumstance, but it's a terrible goal. And 
when someone lives like that, it's because happiness to them is the highest value. And it, it's a terrible goal. And Solomon says wisdom is far more valuable than that, far more valuable than happiness. And if you think it's God's job to make you happy, and I've heard people say that so many times, and you're constantly asking God to change your circumstance, you know, God fixed this so I can be happy. You're trying to avoid the things that make you unhappy. And when you do that, you get caught up in a cycle of reactionary ignorance and avoidance, and it just goes on and on and on and perpetuates itself. And when someone lives in that place, they're continually miserable instead of praying for wisdom and persevering and learning from the suffering. And that leads to being unstable in everything you do. If you really want to serve God and gain wisdom, that's a decision that you have to make for yourself. I mean, I can give you lots of information that can become knowledge, but then it's up to you to do that and then persevere through the difficulties. So stop trying to avoid the suffering um, because you're not going to avoid suffering. That's just reality. Um, life is full of suffering, but be a hearer of God's word, be a doer of God's word, pray for wisdom and persevere through difficulty. And God will work that out for good. And that's where you get wisdom. That's where you learn to rightly apply knowledge. And yeah, like I said, this is just an abridged version of what we talked about yesterday. And thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. We'll catch you later.